great uh, privilege and, and honor to be here with you this morning. We really appreciate it. We had a chance to meet Mark and his family and, uh, and uh, Jonathan and his family last night. And uh, it was great to find some other people who are not counting the days uh, or the time by years and days, but by how many children ago this happened. You know, like a normal person, like, oh, five years ago and seven years ago. And, and then you meet a large family and it's like, yeah, that's when we had three kids. That's when we had six kids. That's when we had uh, 15 kids. So, uh, so we felt like at home. We have a large family by God's grace. Uh, we were able to stay with, uh, with Pastor Steve and, uh, you have really nice people in your church. We, we thought that Pastor Mike is the only one. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we were proven wrong. It's, it's great to be here. Uh, great to be loved by you and we really appreciate the opportunity, uh, to be here with you. So, uh, the, the, the passage that I have for you today is, is Matthew, uh, chapter 8. Verses 23 through 27. Uh, back in our church in Akushim, we are going through the Gospel of Matthew. And Pastor Mike asked me uh, to have a sermon that is Christ-centered. And, uh, and, and I think this passage will do just that. Uh, by, by God's grace, it's going to be Christ-centered sermon that's going to benefit you, hopefully. And, and the title of this message is, Why Are You Afraid? And, uh, and that's the reason why I chose actually this message, is because uh, it's, it's a message for me this morning. Uh, to be in Pastor Mike's church, uh, be preaching in front of him. Uh, after, after he taught me how to pray, uh, I was greatly afraid. And I was thinking about, I need to have a Christ-centered message and something that's going to help me not to be afraid, as he's going to be sitting in a fr- front row. Uh, so there you go. So this sermon's going to benefit at least one of us. It's, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Sorry about that. But hopefully it's going to be helpful to you as well. So... Uh, I'll read the passage, I'll pray, and uh, we'll, we'll get to work. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. This is the word of the Lord. When he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you man of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? God, we are so thankful to be here this morning, gathered in one place as your church. We thank you so much for your word. And God, I pray that uh, you would use me as as a sinner who is forgiven by Christ, uh, to, to preach your words, to help these people, to encourage them, strengthen them. And, and God, we pray that uh, you would just uh, help us to see how great Christ is, your Son, eternal, eternal Son, our Savior. God, we thank you that we are in your hands. We thank you that we are in Christ's hands. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And we just pray that you would bless us as we go through this passage right now. Amen. Amen. So, uh, let me get straight to the bottom line of the bottom line because I was given 40 minutes and I have four points and I'll try to uh, deal with that uh, uh, just, just like that. The truth is that each of you that are sitting here this morning is either going or was going or will be going through some kind of a storm in your life, right? That's, that's just the fact. That's just the bottom line. We are humans and even though we are Christians, we are going to be facing some hard times. It might be at your job. It might be in your family. It might be because of your health. But... Uh, your health, uh, but there are going to be some storms in your life. And uh, 
You know, with every storm, you as a Christian, you have a decision to make. And you can either, in each storm, trust yourself and, and, uh, and be anxious, or by God's grace, you can trust Christ, your good shepherd, and find peace in His arms, even in the midst of the, of the darkest storms. And my hope and prayer is this morning that the, the, the portion that we just read together a little while ago of God's holy word will help you trust Christ no matter what. No matter what a storm is uh, in your life or will be in your life, that you will remember this passage, that you will remember Christ the King calming the storm on a Galilean sea and that it's going to encourage you and strengthen you as it did strengthen me uh, when we were going through our storms and strengthen our church as our church was going through different storms. So as we come to our passage, it will be helpful for you to know that Matthew's goal is to present Jesus in this gospel as God's divine Messiah and King, who will deliver God's people from their sins and bring them to God's everlasting uh, kingdom. And, and, and the way how Christ does it, obviously, is by His perfect life. It's by His substitutionary death on a, on a Roman cross. And it's through His resurrection on a, on a Sunday morning. And when you would be with us in a, in a cushion, we would be going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through, through, through Matthew's Gospel. And, and in chapter 8 and 9, Matthew selects nine miracles of Jesus to prove that He is really the divine messianic king of kings who has the power over sickness, who has the power over uh, demons and, and sin and, and death. Right? Like that's the picture that Matthew's painting is here is your king, he has come, he is the divine, he's he's God's son, he's the eternal God, and he's the king of kings and, and he rules and he rules over sin, he rules over sickness, he rules over demons, and he rules over death. And he has power to overturn sin, curse, and establish a new heavenly kingdom. And in our text today, we see one of these nine miracles that, uh, that Matthew presents. And the neat thing about this miracle is that uh, it, 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 it very closely connects, at least with me and, and with my life, and, and I'm really hoping and praying that it will connect also with you and with your life. Because it doesn't only provide God's testimony of the fact that Jesus eternal second member of God's Trinity, is the creator of the world who has power over his creation. But it also will encourage you to trust Christ, to trust Jesus in the darkest moments of your life, no, no matter what they are, by reminding you that he is a mighty king who rules. The context of our passage is that... Uh, you know, the day that we found ourselves in, 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 in the chapter 8 is, uh, it's, it's a Saturday evening. And, uh, Jesus just had a super busy day in, uh, in a town or a village called Kafarnau. And, uh, if you would read, uh, Matthew's, uh, chapter, chapter 8 and, and 7, you, you would see that Jesus just healed the leper, which was very kind, very loving thing to do. Jesus, Jesus touched him and healed him and, and loved him, uh, in, in a moment where everybody else was running away from him. Uh, Jesus also healed that day, a centurion, uh, centurion's, uh, servant. You, you might remember that. He even healed that day. Uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law and, and also a countless crowd of sick people and, and that is a huge testimony about Christ and, and his love for his creation and his love for the people that he came to save and, and how much he cares for them and how much he cares for, for us uh, who are his and when he healed them all he, he told and he commanded his disciples to get into the boat and sail on the other side of the sea of the, of the lake that 
uh, that was in front of them. And in verse 23 we read that when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him, right? And, and when Matthew says that, he, he's not only thinking about the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, but he's also thinking about other people that are following Jesus. Jesus always had a crowd of people with him, right? There was always somebody learning from him. There was always somebody following him. And, and when we read that when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him, it means the 12, but it means a lot more people. Because Mark 4.36 tells us that there were other boats with him. So there is Jesus on his boat with, uh, with the 12 disciples and maybe some other guys. There are other boats with other men and maybe other women. And they are headed across the sea. So it's Saturday evening. Boats departed from the shore. And they are now crossing the massive body of water which is before them. And the first thing that I would like you to notice in, in our passage today is that the storm is raging. That's the first thing, that's the first point of our, of our uh, outline. And we see in the verse 24... That Matthew says, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. And a sea, uh, in, this, in this context, uh, the, the sea that Matthew is describing here is, is obviously the Sea of Galilee, uh, also known as, as Lake of Gennesaret. I, I never went to Israel, uh, but maybe you saw the pictures. You know, it's, it's a beautiful body of water, uh, really nice in, in the daylight. A lot of people fishing on the lake, uh, which, is, which is really like a sea, because even though it's the size of a lake, uh, because of the weather conditions, it's more like a sea. So if you are in the middle of it and there is a storm, you have a huge problem. Uh, Matthew says, and behold, there arose a great storm. And, and the word behold shows us that the storm came suddenly. That it was totally unexpected. And that's, that's exactly what's happening on this body of water day by day, year by year, even until this day. That's, that's how the weather works in this part of the world. That, that uh, you just never know when the storm is going to hit you, right? Like today you have the benefit of, hey, you want to go on a boat ride? And you take your phone and you check the weather. Okay, next six hours, no rain. Okay, let's go. Uh, but in this lake, even if you would have a weather app, it's, it's not going to work that way. Because nobody can predict what the wind and what the heat is going to do. So behold, all of a sudden, it shocked even the experienced fishermen who were with Jesus that there is this storm. No warning, no signal. One minute everything is smooth. One minute everything is cool. One minute everything is nice. You have a, your little chit-chat with your buddies on a, on a boat. And all of a sudden, behold, there is a great storm. And the great uh, in Greek is megas. You know, it's, it's, it's really a mega storm. It's a, it's a raging storm. It's a, it's a terrible storm. And, and Matthew is using these words to, to show us how, how desperate the situation of the disciples is going to be because of how great, how mega, how, how terrifying, how, 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 how shocking this storm is going to be. So these waves were so big that the boat was being covered with the waves. One moment you see the boat, the next moment you don't, right? Like sometimes you see it in the, on a YouTube or in, in, in a TV, like there is, there is a boat on, a, on the ocean and the, boat, the, the waves are as big as this building. So like you, you see the boat, you don't see the boat. You see the boat, you don't see the boat just because the, 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 the waves are massive. And Mark 4.37 adds, and he says, the waves were breaking over to the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. So you just put yourself into the shoes of the disciples, right? Like you are in the middle of the sea, you are in the middle uh, of the night, you are in the middle of the storm that is, that is scaring the, the, the daylights, I think you say, <laughs> you know, out of you. Uh, 
and you are terrified and, and the storm is raging and it's a not it's it's not a good thing in the middle of, to be in the middle of, to be in the middle of the sea today when there is a storm and you know with with the boats how they were 2,000 years ago, it was even worse back then uh, because you didn't have all the high-tech and, and cell phones and, and uh, somebody to call for uh, reinforcements. You know, and it's, it's a good reminder uh, for us uh, with life. You know, that's, that's how it is usually in our lives, right? Like, like uh, when, when sickness hits you, uh, when something hits you in a, in a work or at your family, it's not like somebody from your family calling you like, hey, in three weeks, it's going to get really bad because I'm really upset at you, okay? Just let you know, when you come for Thanksgiving, it's going to be really bad, you know? And then two weeks later, hey, just hope that you didn't forget what I said last week. It's coming, you know? And then, you know, one week closer, like, like you, you just show up at a Thanksgiving dinner. You, you just show up at a work. You show up at a church. Uh, you, you show up somewhere at a, at a vacation, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, your, your kids are throwing up, or, or, or there's a bad announcement coming from your family, and, and, and it hits you and caught you off guard. And that's, that's the same thing. That's, that's what happened in here. The, you know, it was a calm night. They were hoping for an easy and restful ride, but all of a sudden, totally unexpected, this, this huge, fiercy megastorm. The, the stars, as one author said it, were replaced by lightnings and thunders. Uh, the calm breeze is exchanged with screaming wind and deafening rain. Their boat is filling up with water fast, and they are starting to sink. And, and you're just thinking about what a storm is causing in their hearts. It's, it's fear and it's anxiety and it's, it's terror. And that's the same thing in our lives, right? Like, we might, we, we doesn't have to be in the middle of the sea to, to be all anxious, to be all uh, terrorized or, or full of fear. And the, the, here is the thing. Everybody was, everybody was in a panic, fighting for their lives in this raging storm, except of Jesus. And that's the second thing that I want you to notice in our passage is that while the storm is raging, Jesus is sleeping. <laughs> and I love that. We read in verse, verse 24, but Jesus himself was asleep. And, and it should shock us because the storm was big and the boat was almost sinking. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and what we see here when, when Matthew tells us that Jesus was sleeping is we see a glimpse of Jesus' humanity, right? Like he's a truly God. But he's a truly man. And right here, right before we'll see the glimpse of his divinity, Matthew shows us a glimpse of his humanity. As a true man, Jesus is sleeping. As a true God, Jesus will subdue and calm the storm. And the question is, how come Jesus is sleeping? And partially the answer is, well, because he had a hard day, right? Like, he just spent a whole day with people. He just spent a whole day teaching people about God's kingdom. He just spent it a whole day preaching to people about, about the gospel, about repentance from sins, and, 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 and that He is the way, and that He is the truth, and that, that He is the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. And not only He was teaching a whole day, but He was healing people a whole day, and that took energy from Him. So He was tired. And He slept when the dark clouds covered the starry sky. He slept when the deafening wind and lightning stroke, and he slept when the rain started pouring down, and he slept when the waves were destroying their boat. And when everybody else was panicking and fearing for their life, Jesus, in his humanity, was sleeping. And for sure, part of the reason why he's sleeping is because he was exhausted after a hard day. 
But I think there is also a second reason why he's sleeping peacefully. And I think the second part of the reason why he's sleeping peacefully is because he knew scriptures. In his humanity, he had to learn scriptures just like you and I have to learn scriptures, right? Like, like when he was 12, they found him in the temple and, and his, his father and his mother were teaching him uh, the scriptures and he was going to synagogue and he was learning just as we are learning because he is a truly man. So he knew scriptures and he also knew that God the Father has everything firmly in his hands, which is something that he knew because he's God, but he also knew it because he's a man who learned it from the scriptures. And because he knew that God has everything in his hands and because he as a perfect man perfectly trusts God, he is peacefully sleeping in the midst of the storm because he knows that there is only one who is in control and that's God the Father. Jesus knew his psalm, 115 verse 3, but our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. He knew that and he knew its truth and he, he bet his life on it. He, he depended his life on it so he is able to sleep in the, in, the, in, the, in the great storm. Jesus knew that he will not die a minute too early or too late, right? Uh, Matthew 10, 29 says that, uh, Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a cent and yet no not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Like, like Jesus knows that, you know, the, the day when you are born and the day when you die are not in your hands, they are in God's hands, and that it's, it's God who set the time when you will be born, and God is the, the one who sets the time when you will die, so I can rest peacefully in the middle of the storm, because I'm not going to die if it's not God's plan for me to die. And if it's God's plan for me to die, I'm going to die even if I would be in a submarine, right? Like, or even if I would be on the shore thinking like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not on the boat with them and there is a lightning coming because, you know, that's the, that's the time that God set for you to die and, and you just cannot escape it. So, so Christ is trusting God and, and he trusts the scriptures and he knew that he did not come to die on a boat as a powerless sailor, but he came to die on a cross as a powerful savior. So, so he's, He's at ease. He's, he's resting on a boat because it's not his time to die. He knew Psalm 22 that prophesied about him that he will be delivered to Gentiles who will pierce his hands and feet. He knew Deuteronomy 21 that is a prophecy about him that he will be crucified. So therefore he knows he cannot die on that boat in the middle of the storm because God has a different plan for him. How could he not be sleeping, Right? Like, people might be thinking, like, how can you be sleeping? And it's like, how could I not be sleeping? Like, I know I'm in God's hands. I know what my purpose is. I know how I'm going to die. And I'm fully trusting God who has all things in His hands. And He is sleeping and He is resting because this storm is not an accident, but is a part of God's plan. And I want you to know this morning, if you are a Christian I want to encourage you that there are no accidents in God's universe, right? There was an R.C. Sproul who said that there are no maverick molecules in this universe. Like God is sovereign over every single molecule and an atom, which also means that there are no uh, maverick or loose accidents in God's universe. Psalm 93 says what? Like how does, how does Psalm 93 begin? The Lord Reigns, you know, and it's, it's, it's so encouraging to know that it, it is our Lord, it is Christ the Son, it is God the Father, it is the Holy Spirit, it's, it's God the Triune God who rules and who reigns. The Lord reigns. And what it means in Psalm 93 is that He, He always reigns. He, He, He reigns everywhere. He, He reigns over all. 
And the good thing is that it's not a storm. It's not the storms that are raining in your life. It's not Satan or bad people. You know, they do not reign in your life. It's, it's not fortune or, or luck that will be reigning in your life. There is only one who reigns in the universe over every single storm, over every single trial, over every single sickness. And that's God Himself. And that's a good news for us. And that was good news for the disciples. And that was good news for Christ. There's only one who reigns. And that is three in God of the Bible. So there are no loose maverick storms in your lives that would not be under God's control. That God would not preordain in order to build you to be more like Jesus. For His own glory and for your good. And that is why Paul can declare with such a confidence in, in Romans 8.28, 8, we know, not we think, not perhaps or maybe, but we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love, love God, right? And, and, and the way how all things work together for good to those who love God is that they are shaping us to be more like Christ. They are shaping us to love Christ more, to, to depend on Him more. So Jesus is sleeping because He knows that this storm is not happening in order to kill them, but so He can be worshipped by them, by His disciples. And I want you to know that if you are going or will be going through a hardship in your life, you need to know that hardships and trials and storms are not meaningless. In the, in the hands of an almighty God, in the hands of loving God, in the hands of all-powerful God, storms and trials and hard times and sicknesses, even death, none of this is meaningless. Because the meaning, we just read about it in Romans 8.28, God is using all these things to bring us closer to Him, to love Him more, to be more like Christ, His Son. And Jesus knew that they must go through this storm so his disciples can see a glimpse of his glory, of his divinity. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but I had this thought, and I probably read it somewhere or, or, or heard it somewhere. Uh, you know, have you ever thought about how it would be if Jesus would just stay with the disciples on a shore? Like, like Jesus could tell his disciples, Hey guys, <laughs> I'm God, and I know what's going to happen tonight. If we get on a boat right now, they're going to sail into the middle of the, of the sea, and there's going to be a huge storm. It's going to be such a great storm that like you've never seen before. You will all be scared for your lives. This boat is going to almost sink. You, you will be panicking and freaking out, even though you are, you are fishermen and you know this sea better than anybody else. And uh, I, I just want to prevent that from you because I love you so much. And, and I want you to know that you know if we would go on the sea, and we would be caught up in the middle of this storm. I would stand up in the boat. And I would say one word. And the whole storm would just end. And, and you guys would fall on your knees and worship me. Uh, but we are not going to do that because I love you. I don't want you to go through that thing. So uh, why don't you just worship me here on the shore. And we take it easy from here. <laughs> like like you, you, you think Peter would be like, yes. <laughs> right? Like everybody would be like, ah, <laughs> uh, I... I you know, I, I don't know about it, Jesus, right? Like, because, because th- there is this need for them to go through the storm so Jesus' divinity can be revealed to them in, in, in a very special way that, that they would experience that. And, uh, and that's, 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 that's why Jesus is taking them through the storm, one, one of the reasons. Uh, you know, they had to go through the storm in order for Jesus to be glorified. 
Because nobody would glorify Him on the shore if He would just tell them this story. And for them to see who Jesus really is, they need to go through this storm. And for you and for, for all of us as Christians, you know, it's, it's, it's beneficial that they went through this storm because now we can read about it. We can read about what they experienced. We can read about their fear. We can, we can relate to them. We can see like, yes, they, they react to the storms in their lives the same way how we relate. And, and this is what Jesus did in the middle of the storm. And, and there is something we can learn about Jesus and apply it to our lives when we are going to go in our trials, through our trials, realizing that they are underneath His sovereign care. So, so they went through their trials, so Jesus can be glorified, so we can learn from it. And, and you know that, 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 that often, that is also another reason why God allows you to go through your storms. Because He will use your storms and, and the way how He leads you through them and, and the way how He strengthens you through them as a testimony to other people. Isn't it so? Right? And, and when you were in your storms, you, you, you probably reached out to people who were through similar stores before you, right? Like, like, you guys had a hard marriage. We are going through a hard time. Like, how, how, how did Jesus help you? How did Jesus let you through it? Like, oh, okay, like, you, you repented and, and you forgave one another and, and, and He restored your marriage. And, and, and now, now your, your hard times are helping somebody else to go through their hard times, right? Or, hey, you, you dealt with a, Dying wife, you, you, you dealt with a dying husband, right? Because they, they had this sickness or that sickness. Like, how did Jesus help you? How, how did God help you? How did He lead you through it? And, and all of a sudden, this hard time that you went through a year ago or ten years ago is being transformed into something that's being helpful to somebody else and is helping somebody else to grow in their relationship to Christ. So, you know, the same is true about storms in your life. You can be in peace in the, in the middle of who knows what you are going through. You can, you can sleep in the, in the midst of, of the horrible things that are happening around us. Not because you are naive, uh, not because you are uninformed, but because you know that it is the Lord who reigns and you know that Christ is in charge. You don't have to worry. You don't have to panic. You don't have to be afraid. You just have to make a decision by God's grace and by His strength to trust Christ, to trust God instead of trusting yourself. And that's the decision that we are always constantly are making. Am I, I going to glorify myself or am I going to glorify God? Will I be trusting myself and my abilities and my knowledge or will I be trusting the promises I have in the Bible? We as a Christians have the privilege to rejoice in the storms. First Peter 1, verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God is using, meaningfully, the hard times in your life uh, to bring you closer to Christ, to be more like Christ, and to purify your faith, so Christ can receive all the possible glory when He returns. That's what's happening. Storms are not out of or above of God's control, but under God's control. And that is a fact. And, uh, and God wants you to remember that. And if you are going through them, you don't have to be ashamed or feel like a second-grade Christian. 
right? Like sometimes in some churches they teach like, well, you know, if you are sick or if you are going through this or if you're going through that, that means that you have unconfessed sin or it means that you did this wrong and you did that wrong and, and you need to confess and confess and confess. And, and yes, yes, sometimes that might be true, but not always, not always. You know, sometimes we are sick and, and it's not because we sinned, it's just because we are in a sinful world and, and God is going to use it for His glory. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. So Jesus, who trusted God the Father, was sleeping, but disciples who were trusting in themselves were screaming. And that's the third point, that's the third thing that we see in our passage today. Disciples are screaming. Verse 25, they came to him and woke him saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And these guys are experienced sea dogs, right? Like, this was their, this was their occupation. Like, they knew the sea, they knew the boats, they knew the storms. And this was not the first storm that they encountered here. But this one was exceptional. That, and it was so exceptional that even these fishermen are begging a carpenter for help. You know, it's like, you are in the middle of the sea, on your own boat, you are the captain of the boat, you are a fisherman, and you are going to ask a carpenter for help? Uh, the storm was big. The storm had to be really, really great if this is happening. You know, and they are coming to him and they are saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And, and Mark 4.38 says that they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Right? Like, they are not coming with a humble attitude. They are coming, like, raging at Jesus. Like, like Jesus, what are you doing? You are supposed to be helping us and saving us. And, and you do not care about us. Like, great. Like, you told us to get on the boat. You, you, you wanted us to sail across the sea. And now you do not care. And they are confused. And sometimes we are confused in our, in our lives in the middle of the storms, right? Like, we, we, we believe Christ. We, we trust Christ. We, we know who Christ is. And, and, they, and they somehow, at least partially, knew who Christ is. But their small faith was mixed with a great mistrust. Because they turned their eyes away from Christ. And they, and they start, started looking too much at themselves. And I think it was Mark yesterday night, or, or, or maybe Jonathan, and then they reminded me of the other, other time when, uh, when, the, when the disciples were with the Jesus on the, on the same lake, right? And, and Peter asked Jesus to step out of the boat to walk to Jesus in the middle of the storm. And as far as Peter was able to see Jesus and keep his eyes on Jesus and trust Jesus, he was all safe. He was all good, right? But in the moment when he took away his eyes from Christ and started looking around and at himself, he started sinking. And that's what they are doing. They are panicking, they are freaking out, they are are scared. They think that Jesus doesn't care. It's very impolite, it's very rough, it's very rude. And they are basically saying, don't you care? Save us! Do something! As Levis Johnson said, that these disciples did not learn yet that it is far better and safer to be with Jesus in the biggest storm than without Jesus on a shore. And that's true, right? It's so much safer with Jesus in the middle of the storm on a boat than without Him on a shore. 
And they, are started, they started doubting Jesus. They started thinking that He doesn't care. But here's the question. How could a Savior who came to redeem them from the storm of their sins with His own blood not care about their earthly storms? Like, like Jesus cared so much that He left His heaven and His angels and all the glory He had there. He cared about them so much that He added humanity to His divinity. That the one who created time, the one who created space, the one who is eternal and and wasn't limited by time and space, put on flesh. And the one who gives life was was born on this this earth. and, And the one who rules everything was now dependent on His mother and on His Father. And, and, and on his heavenly father. How, how could he not care about him? How could the good shepherd who came to seek and save the lost. Not care about his sheep once he found them. And I want you to know brothers and sisters. That storms in your life do not mean that Jesus doesn't care. And, and you know what in, in my life and probably in your life. Like sometimes that's, that's the temptation right. Like we are in the hard times. God doesn't care. Well he does care. And we need to realize that storms are not a sign that doesn't care, that God doesn't care, but they are rather a tool in His hand to rightly remind us how weak we are and how much we need Him. And it is, it is when we are the weakest. It is in the darkest storms when God's power is most visible. Isn't it so? You remember Apostle Paul? You remember the problem he had? He had some kind of a thorn in his, in his flesh, right? Like, we do not know if it was a sickness. We do not know if it was uh, some guy in a check trying to kill him with a hazelnuts. Uh, we, we do not know what it was. But we, we know it was a thorn in his flesh. And we know he was asking God three times to remove it from his life. And in 2 Corinthians 12.9, we see God's response. And here is God's response to Paul's trials. My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. And Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And Paul is rejoicing in his weaknesses. He's rejoicing in the, in the hard situations he's in, because he knows that whatever good comes out of it will be for the glory of God, not for his own glory. That, that everybody will be able to look at Paul and say, you know what? What Paul is doing and where Paul is, that's only possible because Christ is in his life. And because Christ is working in his life. And we know that the power is not in the vessel, in the earthly vessel that's, that's, just, that's just a clay and has many cracks. But that the power is in the treasure that's in this vessel. And that's God himself. So Paul is rejoicing in his weaknesses and, and that's what, what, the, what the disciples should have done on the boat. Be rejoicing. Yes, this is going to be a great opportunity for Jesus to shine. Not for us to shine, not for us to save ourselves, but for Christ. And we just cannot wait how he's going to solve this. But they got off the focus. They, they, they got a wrong focus. So they are crying and weeping and, and being scared and being terrified. And the storm on the Sea of Galilee was terrifying, but was good. Because it brought even these disciples to the end of themselves. After they tried everything, they come into Jesus, right? Like, after everything fails, we'll pray, right? Instead of like, no, we, we pray all the time, we pray first. 
No, after we tried everything, after we called all our friends, after we tried all the banks, after we tried all the hospitals, okay, there's nothing else to do, let's just pray. Uh, While well, we were, should have been praying the whole time. And this storm brought them to Jesus, and it brought them to the only one who can save them. And the disciples were wrong, when they thought that Jesus doesn't care, and that's why Jesus is rebuking them. In verse 26, he says, Why are you afraid, you man of little faith? And there is a rebuke to them. You should have trusted me. Did you not see my power over sickness? Were we just like over in now? Didn't I just like heal so many people during the whole day? Didn't you see me raising people from dead? Didn't you see me turning water into wine, showing you that I have the power over the, reaction, uh, over the creation? Didn't you see me casting out demons? Like, like how, how could you think that uh, you are going to die? Uh, where is your faith? You have seen all these things. You've seen my love. You've seen my compassion. You, you, you saw that I saved your mother-in-law. You've you seen that I touched the leper that no, no one else wanted to touch. How could you think that I do not care? So he rebukes them. And the passage in front of our eyes this morning brings a question, a similar question for every one of you. And the question is, how are you dealing with storms in your life? Is it sometimes more like pagans who believe in luck? Or are you, are you dealing with them to God's glory, like Christians who have sovereign God? Right? Like you look at people around you that do not know God, that do not know that there is sovereign God. And they believe in luck, they believe in fortune, they, they believe in flipping, flipping a coin or, or who knows what. And, and yes, like understandably they are scared when they have a cancer. Understandably they are scared when they lose their job. Understandably they are scared when this and that happens in their life because, because they have a totally wrong worldview. They don't understand that God has everything in His hands. But it's one thing for unbeliever to act like an unbeliever and another thing for me or you to act like an unbeliever when we know Christ and when we know that He is with us, that He never leaves us and that all, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Him and that He rules our lives. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Isn't God faithful? Hasn't wasn't he faithful in your life already? You know, like, we have the testimony of the scriptures that shows us how, how faithful God is. But by his grace, each of you, if you are a born-again Christian, you, you can give thousands of testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life, right? And they should all help you to face the next storm with, with more courage and with more faith in Christ. Because you know what he has done already in your life. Did not God promise in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? Like even in the midst of persecution, right? Like I had this dear brother uh, from Ukraine coming to me this morning, and he said, hey, my, my grandfather was persecuted and was in a, uh, was, was in a prison in, in Ukraine. And... Uh, because he was a Christian. But he didn't have to be afraid. Why? Because he has God who rules every man, who rules every prison, who rules every, every secret uh, police officer. 
What will man do to me? We have nothing to be afraid of. So the good news is that Jesus did not only rebuke his disciples, but that he also saved them. And that's the verse, I mean, that's the verse 26, that's the fourth and last point, and we are going to wrap up here shortly. Jesus is saving. Uh, we saw the storm raging, we saw disciples screaming, we saw Jesus sleeping, and we also see now Jesus and him saving. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. And he showed them that he really cares. He rebuked the winds and the sea. He commanded them. And Mark 4, 39 tells us that he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea. Hush, be still. That's what he said. One word. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Jesus just said one word. He just said one sentence. And everything was over. The, 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 the storm was gone. And, the, and the, the, the big waves that were there a second ago were gone and the, the whole sea was as calm as a, as a mirror. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's another miracle, right? Like, sometimes we go to the lighthouses right after the storm, and even the storm is gone, even the, the sky is clean, and, and the sun is shining, and, and the sky is blue, the ocean is what? Still raging, right? Because, like, the, the physics and, and whatever else is happening there. But Jesus made this miracle by calming the sea instantly. The, the, the effects and everything. One sentence, and the storm was gone. The, the mega storm turned into a mega calm. The stormy sea became like a mirror immediately. And that's how easy it is for Christ, who's the Creator God. That's how fast Jesus can do things, you know, if, if He pleases. What else would you expect when Jesus speaks, right? Like, like He spoke this universe, this universe to, to being, some 6,000 years ago with, with the power of His Word. He, 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 he separated the waters with one word. He, he set the limits for oceans with one word. And now He commanded this storm to be still. And all of a sudden, the sea was still. And that is the power that only God has. Jesus did not pray to God to calm the storm. Jesus is God who calmed the storm. And this miracle is recorded for us to remind us that He is not only truly man, but also truly God. God who cares. God who came among His people, lived with His people, uh, lived the life, the perfect life that none of the people lived uh, in order to fulfill God's law. So He can also die on a cross in their place for their sins and be risen on a third day for their righteousness and for their uh, salvation. How good is to know that Jesus is faithful even when we are doubting if He cares. How good is to know that He is powerful when we are weak. How good is to know that He is mighty when we are helpless. And how good is to know that He helps and saves even when we are totally miserable. So that's my encouragement for you this morning. Christ rules. Christ is the King who reigns. Christ is God. And He loves you and He cares for you. And and. and you know, calming the storm is a, is a sign of his divinity, is a, is a sign of his, of his uh, kingly credentials that he rules over his creation. But it also brings comfort to our hearts knowing that Christ can calm any storm any minute of our lives. And here is the deal. Do you believe that Christ is Almighty God? Do you believe that he is all-knowing God? 
Therefore, that He knows about the storms in your lives and that He can settle them once for all if He pleases. I hope you do believe that. So, why is He not doing it right now? Why you are still in the middle of the storm? It's not because He's powerless, right? And it's not because He doesn't know because He is all-knowing. So there must be another reason why you are still in the storm or why you will be going through the storm even though He can prevent it or He can stop it. And the reason is for Him to be glorified and for you to be sanctified and to be more like Him. And if you are an unbeliever, if you are a friend or a guest in this church today, if you do not know Christ as a, as a personal Savior, here is one thing that you need to know. You need to know that there is... There is a lot greater storm headed your way. You know, being in the middle of the sea, in the boat that is sinking, is one thing. But if you are an unbeliever, and if you are not reconciled with the Holy God, through Christ alone, by grace alone, then there is a storm of God's judgment coming your way. And this is not trying to threaten you with hell. God's judgment is a fact. Christ spoke about hell. Christ spoke about God's judgment. And Christ also told us that He is the only one who can reconcile us with the Father. That's why He came. That's why He died. That's why He rose again. So we can escape the judgment of God at the, at the end times. And uh, you need to know that there is only one way. There is only one door. There is only, there is only one way of salvation. And that is in Jesus Christ. And you don't have to give money to the church. You don't have to do some religious things. You just need to bow your, bow your knee in front of God. Ask for forgiveness for your sins. If God is working in your life and showing you that He is a holy God who created you and that you are a great sinner that sinned against Him and that Christ is the only way, what you need to do is humble yourself by God's grace. Ask Him by God's grace for forgiveness and trust in Christ and Christ alone. God, we thank you so much for the time we were able to spend in your word. And God, we pray that right now, with your spirit, you would do the things that you can only do. God, we as preachers, we can bring your word to people's ears, but you're the only one who can, who can impact and regenerate and, and encourage uh, the heart. So God, I pray that you will do just that with your Holy Spirit right now. I pray for blessings for this church. I pray, God, if there are some people who are unsaved this morning, that you would uh, show them that you are God and that there is only one way through Christ, that you would be merciful to them. And, God, I pray for the believers in this church, that uh, you would give them unity, that they would love you, that they would uh, follow you, that they would evangelize uh, other people, that they would disciple the ones that, that know you. And, God, whatever in your sovereign plan you have for this church and for those people individually, Whatever storm, whatever hardships, please remind them that it's all good. It's all in your hands. That it all has a meaning to, to glorify you, to bring them closer to you, to make them more like Christ. God, please help us. In the middle of the storm, don't forget about things that we have seen so clearly uh, on a bright day. That you are in control. That you are the Lord who reigns. Amen.